everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. More specifically, welcome back to another episode of Makeup and Mandalore. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And of course, today we are going to be discussing chapters 9 and 10 from season 2 of The Mandalorian. And of course, with the start of the show, we do want to start off by saying that we recognize everything that's been going on, especially like as of today with Sunday. Gina Carano has already been saying and doing things, and it's just, it's very irritating. But we wanted to um, recommend some links to you guys. So there is a fund going around called Trans Rights Are Human Rights, This Is The Way. Um, They have a pretty hefty goal, and it'd be really awesome if you guys wanted to donate to that. Their goal is 15,000, and right now they're at 11,000, so they're getting pretty close. Hopefully by the time this releases, they'll hit the goal. Yes, definitely. And then with um, our pride designs on our shop, all of um, the money we make from that, we do donate to a fund called the Homeless Black Trans Women's Fund. Their goal is three, that $3 million, six zeros. So their goal is $3 million and they are very close to that. So if you want to donate directly... Yeah, if you want to donate directly to that or if you want to check out some of the designs in our shop, um, all the links are going to be in the description for this episode and in the description for every single one of our Mandalorian episodes because we definitely want to make sure we are spreading the love around when it comes to the Mandalorian. So before we get into that, um, we do have some recommendations. Alex and I both watched The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. It was fantastic. So good. Really, really, really strong acting, good writing, um, just The aesthetics. Like the aesthetic, yeah. <sighs> I never thought that watching a chess match could have so much tension. Yeah. Like, it was just <laughs> so good. For those of you who haven't heard of Queen's Gambit, this is a new show on Netflix with Anna Taylor-Joy, and she plays this chess prodigy throughout her life and it just was so good like she's Bly Manor was amazing and like this definitely finally hit like I've been looking for a show that hit like that and this this got pretty close yeah I I still think about Bly Manor all the time yes oh so so good so we we definitely recommend that you guys check out Queen's Gambit other than that I started watching Gilmore Girls again (laughs) it's always a good time to watch Gilmore Girls uh so if you haven't just do that. Even it's, if you have, just start it over. Yeah, it's really special. It's so special. As far as news goes, so Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view is out today. Um, we are definitely planning on reading that and we'll be talking mm-hmm. about it in our next episode. We also got the trailer for the Lego holiday special. It looks really good. It does look really funny. I... I know that, like, a lot of people are worried about it, and, like, I was too, but I don't want to, like, give Lego the power to hurt me, because it does look fun, and, like, I want to enjoy it. I don't think, like, I think people are putting too much high stakes on this. Yeah, I do too, because, like, I I get it, like, they are kind of making, like, Rey fangirl or whatever, but, like, that's what Lego does. Like, Lego is a parody of Star Wars. Like it's not canon, isn't all? Yeah. Isn't isn't all Lego Star Wars like canon adjacent? Yeah, yeah. I like 
I think people are just putting really high stakes on this thing that is just going to be fun. Yeah, I'm. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm. I'm interested in it. I. I think it's going to be. Hopefully, it will not scar us like Tross did last Christmas. Although, look at it on the bright side. Nothing can scar us like Tross did last Christmas. It's, it's crazy that we're approaching the one-year anniversary. It's, isn't it weird? It's it's really weird. And, like, to the point that I, I was thinking about this today, like, I haven't watched Tross since December. Like, that second, the sec- like, the, the Friday morning I went. Because I saw it the Thursday night and then the Friday morning. I have not seen it since that Friday morning. Yeah. It's crazy. And I still think about it. Like, and like, I mean, to your point, you've you've said that I've forgotten parts of that movie. And I forgot about (laughs) Ochi of Bestoon. Um, But there's some parts of that movie that are so, so clear in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's weird to me because... I remember, like, with The Last Jedi, like, I think I saw that, like, eight times in theater. Like, I would just go over and over and over, and, like, it just, it was, it hasn't been that way. Like, we've watched most, more recently, the prequels than we have in the other Star Wars, which is kind of crazy, but at the same time, like, it's just kind of the the Star Wars we're living in right now. We also had the Celebration Store reopen. They've got a ton more stuff. The first time the Celebration Store opened, they didn't really have anything. And now they have, like, all the things. And I yeah. definitely want I definitely want that helmetless Kylo Ren pin. pin. Even though that name is so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I was pleasantly surprised because last time the store opened, it wasn't very impressive, at least to me. But there's a lot of Mandalorian stuff. There's a lot of um, sequel trilogy stuff. Some strange stuff, like that one Kylo shirt with the Sith language on it. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get that. <laughs> I really liked too. There's a lot of Empire Strikes Back stuff, which we knew because the 40th anniversary. Yeah. But I really liked like there's like this best this um, Bespin lamp. Oh which I'm, gosh. like, convincing myself not to buy. It's really cute. And, <laughs> it's so pretty. Um, there's uh, the egg, the Mandalorian egg. I cackled when I saw that. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about eggs today, but you can get the Mudhorn egg. <laughs> I was going to say the Inferno Squad spirit jersey. Yes, that was so cute. That's I was like, so happy that, I was that. like, whoa, deep cut. Like, Yeah, yes. that's a deep cut. That's the deep cut I want. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm excited about that. And, like, the pins all look really good. I remember the pins from last year, or not last, yeah, last year. Time doesn't mean (laughs) anything anymore. Um, Those pins were so fun to collect, and I really think that these look super cute as well. My shipper heart wants to have, like, a bin and a ray, but to get the ray, you have to buy, like, this three-pack with other Tross stuff. And I'm like, that's okay, I'll just take the, I'll take the helmetless Kylo, thank you. All right, so with that, we are going to get into the season two of The Mandalorian. Now, there are going to be spoilers in this episode. We're talking about chapters nine and ten. So if you haven't watched those, just beware. There are going to be spoilers. We are probably going to speculate a little bit as well. But just kind of off the bat, so what did you think about the show being back and how it opened? I was, I've been waiting for it for weeks it um it's been like really dead 
the fandom kind of was in a rut. I don't I don't know how to explain it. It was just with the pandemic and everyone just feeling like tired. I think we all like needed something new. Mm-hmm. Um so I was really looking forward to it and I didn't know what to expect from season 2 because you know like a first season of a show is like it it's going to be a surprise to everyone. It's a lot of times sometimes you kind of catch this lightning in the bottle and then it develops this entire fandom around it and it gets hyped and you get a little bit worried that like because the creators now know like they've struck gold that they won't be able to do it again for another season so I think I had a bit of that worry Mm. yeah I was definitely worried that they were gonna like ham up baby Yoda yeah like I think that was the main thing I was thinking about was how they were gonna handle his character now that he's like not a secret anymore and I definitely think that You know, we're going to talk about this, but the way that the second season left off, or the first season left off, was very strong. Like, we had the reveal with the Darksaber and Moff Gideon, and, you know, Mando is being quested. He kept saying the word quested this episode um, to take Baby back to his people, which he believes to be the Jedi. And that's just such an interesting premise because of where we're at in the timeline, being, you know, so fresh off the original trilogy. And the fact that this this season opens up going back to Tatooine, like, I think we all expected that to happen, but I don't think I was expecting it to happen in the first episode. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, I don't know how you're feeling, but it's just like, it's, it's weird to kind of be back on The Mandalorian. It is. I, I feel like it's, it kind of feels like it's been a long time. Like, it has been a year. Yeah. And I feel like... So much has happened and like, you know, the merch and Baby Yoda has been everywhere. So it almost feels like Mm -hmm. we've lived with the Mandalorian longer than we have. Yeah. And like, like I said, like, I was just kind of worried that the hype behind the first season would affect the creators Mm -hmm. a bit. And like, I mean, that could still happen. We're only two episodes in, but I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed both the episodes. Yeah, I do want to say, I think so far, like, I feel like these two episodes flow well with the first season. Mm-hmm. I do think like it, it it feels like they still have their same like mission, which I appreciate. I think where I've seen like the most like effect is definitely with the fandom. Obviously, we have, you know, the big thing in fandom with Gina Carano, but I think also just with the expectation of where the show was going in general and like the things that they were doing. I've seen, like, a lot of mixed, you know, reviews, a lot of mixed feelings when it's come to these two episodes. I think I just, I I didn't know where to expect it to go, so I'm just trying to enjoy it for now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's kind of get into the first episode here. So chapter nine, The Marshal. I was very happy when they continued with the the chapter numbers and, like, it didn't start over from one. (laughs) Well, like... I was like, okay, this is Dave Filoni, like, the Avatar. The way they do it there is they have, like, book one, book two. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering. I was like, I, I don't think that they would start a new book. Yeah, it still feels like it's it's one story, just like we've moved into, like, part two. I don't know how fresh off of the, you know, season one finale we are, but we do open up with the Mandalorian looking for other Mandalorians, which I was 
kind of surprised by. I kind of thought he was going to be looking for rumors of the Jedi, but instead he's trying to find other Mandalorians to get that information. Yeah, and like he, I think he mentions that he believes he can kind of travel their network after finding them. Mm-hmm. So probably he, he, to keep them safe. Yeah, he feels like he'll be more safer with him, his own kind while he looks for the Jedi. Hmm. So, like, knowing that, it does kind of make sense that, like, the first sighting, the first rumbling of a Mandalorian he's going to get would take him to Tatooine, which is where, that was the last place we saw Mr. Boba Fett, who uh, got eaten in six a Sarlacc years. pit. Six yeah, years. Six years. I-, I remember when he said Tatooine the first time I heard it, like, I was kind of, I, I, you know, I felt that, like, oh, we're going back to Tatooine again, especially, you know, after Tross and all that. But, like, the more I've sat with it, and, like, I've we've both watched all these episodes three times, or are you two times? So I've watched the first one three times and the second one two times. Yeah. So, like, as I've sat with it, I actually think going to Tatooine, chasing the rumor of Boba Fett made sense. And I'm kind of glad that the season started off this way so that it wasn't hanging over our heads. Because yeah. we've, we've known the rumors about Boba Fett being back for a long time. And, like, I feel like they did it in a way that didn't make me roll my eyes. Like, I was like, no, this actually makes sense. Yeah, I kind of feel like it fits. And there are a lot of nostalgia things in this first episode. Um, Surprisingly, I feel like a lot of the callbacks, though, were actually more prequel callbacks. Other than R5. R5 was a little too on the nose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, It really felt like kind of placing ourselves into Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. When we get to see, you know, pod racers, um, yeah. parts, we see the pit droids, and we get the return of Pele from episode five. I love her. I love her so much. And I love that, like, so she's our first character, like our first side character that we've seen before come back, like recurring. Yeah. And I really like that. And, and she's in both episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Like, she's so fun. Every time we see her, I'm just like, yes, what are you going to say to me? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about, like, the nostalgia a little bit, like, do you think that the choices that were made in this episode fit? Or do you think that they were a little bit too callbacky? Because, like, we know with John Favreau, like, in his ice cream maker thing, you know, like, he wants those deep cuts but Dave is a little bit more like, well, how does it work in the story? So, like, how do you how do you think like episode one I, dealt with that? I honestly think it dealt with it fine. They like we're gonna notice those things, but is mm-hmm. like the, the average viewer probably won't. But does it? It but it doesn't affect their understanding of the story. Yeah, yeah. That that's why I was like. The only callback reference that bothered me was R5, just because it, it didn't mean anything. I, I think it yeah. wouldn't have bothered me if she hadn't have said R5. If you had just recognized it, you recognized it kind of thing. Because, like, that was me when you see the part of, like, the pod racer. Like, yeah. it was like, oh, you you know what that is or you don't know mm-hmm. what that is, like, kind of thing. The, the cool thing about the pod racer was that I thought of Galaxy's Edge immediately, Mm-hmm. because of the way it was cooking the meat like in the in the second episode oh I know I was telling my mom about that because I was like oh they do that in Galaxy's Edge isn't that fun so like I liked that they 
like even tied it in even more like with that it it made the galaxy kind of feel more tangible in my opinion so he goes to Tatooine he's looking for a ghost town basically um been wiped off the map whatever and this leads him to a cantina he's asking about Mandalorians they're like oh you mean the marshal and he turns around and there he is is. (laughs) (laughs) what did you think when you saw this figure standing here in Boba Fett's armor. It was so ridiculous. He looks so <laughs> dumb. He does look so dumb. He looks like somebody, like, in a bad Boba Fett Halloween costume. Yeah. And I think that was the point. No, it's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Like, I had been thinking so long, like, is this actually going to be Boba Fett? Like, are, you know, is this really going to be him in the armor? Are we really going to see him, like, the way he was left off? And instead we turn around and we find this dude just in the (laughs) armor. It doesn't even fit him. Yeah. And, like, he's just, like, walking around, like, whatever. I own the place, takes off his helmet and everything. Like, it just, I really loved Cobb Vance's introduction. Yeah, it was so well done. And, like, I... I don't know who to give this credit to, like, if it's John Favreau or Dave Filoni, like, them working together, but, like, really bringing Boba Fett into the show in a way that doesn't make me cringe. Like, yes. I Like, I really, really enjoy what they're doing. I actually want Boba Fett armor merch now. Yeah, like, <laughs> like who are you? I know. I, I, get, I was seeing stuff, and, like, I went to Target the other day, and they had, like, this Boba Fett mug. And normally when I see stuff like that, I'm like, I, I roll my eyes. I'm like, whatever. But now I'm like, ooh, Cobb Vance. <laughs> wow. I know. I, I can't believe they did that. And, like, I'm so happy that this was the road that they went on with it's not actually Boba Fett. And, like, we're going to talk more about him later. But, like, it was just somebody else wearing the armor. And I did have, like, some questions with Cobb Vance. So he is from the Aftermath novels, specifically the first book. I have no memory of this. No, I don't. None. None (laughs) at all. (laughs) Listen, Aftermath is a hot mess, and there's so much happening. (laughs) I remember nothing of a throwaway chapter of somebody buying Boba Fett's armor from some Jawas. Like, I don't remember that. But... They don't, you don't have to know that because they give you the entire backstory in this episode. Yeah. Which I felt like was a little much. I kind of liked it. I I liked it, but like, I noticed like the third time I watched it, I was like, this kind of slows down the pacing. I kind of think, I, okay, so I kind of think it was well done because we got to see Cobb's character more. For, like, a character who is just in one episode, at least so far, like, he has such a big fandom following now, and I think that has to do a lot with how much they actually developed him as a character. That's true, and, like, you do get to see a lot of that in the flashback, because you kind of see him walking more, you learn more about the town, and why like, he yeah, got the you, armor. Yeah, you, kind of, you, you get the sense that he's just this good guy that wants to protect his his town and he has so much passion for the people that live there Mm -hmm. it does make me think since we got so much information about him that we're gonna see him again i feel like we have to yeah i hope so i mean they kind of tease it they kind of tease it then 
Listen, okay, so cat's out of the bag. Alex and I are um, Cobb, yeah, we're we're Cobb, Dinjarin, shippers. And, like, you weren't immediate. I was no. immediate. <laughs> like, when... Instant. <laughs> instant. Like, the first time watching this, like, Dinjarin's like, take it off or I will. Like, Shannon, like... My, like, sirens went off, and I was like, oh, like, this is, like, too on the nose. Like, no. And then... Well, and then, like, after after he says that, Cobb's like, we're gonna do this in front of the kid. Well, I didn't even, like, I didn't even notice that. Like, I was still, like, too hung up over the first, those first lines. And I was like, oh, like, th- yes, like, this is happening. And you, I guess you hadn't watched it yet. And I was, like, sending you messages being, like, oh, my God, like, this ship. Like, I, like, love Mandomera. Like, I ship them, but there's a new ship. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's, we have two different ships here. It, I, I, like, I guess it's, like, people who ship Raylo and then also ship Kylux, because Kylux is a very different ship, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a different dynamic. Yeah, Tin Jaren and Cobb Vanth is a very different je- dynamic than uh, Mandomera. So, like, it it works, and it's fine. Listen, especially the second time I watched this, I was, like, really paying attention. Well, I mean, I had already and... told you. I was like, no, like, this is a show. Oh, yeah, you had already said. So, like, I was, like, really paying attention. But I will say, like, the first time I noticed something, and it's probably because we had just been watching Pirates of the Caribbean, was when they're on their bikes <laughs> and cop pulls up and his bike is bigger <laughs> I was like oh okay yeah like, you don't do that kind of visual gag like unless you're trying it you know they do that with guys all the time like the reason I say parts of the Caribbean is because there's a gag in that where they're looking through like telescopes and Bobo like Barbosa's is bigger and longer and so Jack keeps trying to get yeah. his it's bigger and longer you know because it's it's a euphemism. It's a metaphor. So when he pulled up in this bike, and like, yeah, they linger on it because they're like, ooh, pod racer. But like, they're also <laughs> lingering on it for other reasons. <laughs> so I, I just feel like the subtext is there. Um, do I think that the showrunners or anybody would ever do anything with it? Probably not. But I really want him to come back. And I think Kavanth could be a bi icon. Who knows? Please. Shannon, that look at, me, at the end of the episode. The that look. It was like look. it was literally like you said. It was like the Oscar Isaac lip bite in the Force Awakens. <laughs> it was. It really was. Like, listen, I I know that like all these people want to tell you they're like, oh look, it's the bromance. Like, no, it's a romance. Like Tom Holland said it correctly. Like, it, no, it's straight romance. It's not a bromance. Let's yeah. call it what it is. <laughs> So we are getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but so we met Cobb Vamp, and he says that he will give over the armor, um, because apparently it's part of, like, the Mandalorian custom, like, you can demand the armor, especially because he's not a fellow Mandalorian. He says, I'll give you the armor if you help me with my problem, and it's that their town has been attacked by a Kret dragon, and he wants to try to kill it. And I... I was really sad about killing the dragon. Yeah, I had to console you. I've done a lot of reading. (laughs) Yeah, you really did. (laughs) I did a lot of reading about this dragon. Like, I feel a little bit better now. Um, But it's an extremely fairy tale. It it feels very 
mythic fairy tale larger than life kind of story we got the knight riding into town he's gonna slay the beast all that kind of stuff Cobb is the damsel in distress <laughs> he is okay listen they're like how are we gonna kill this thing and he's like oh i'll just fly over it with my ship and shoot it and he's like no you can't do that and he's like so then what and Cobb looks at him and he's like i know where it lives they're like shark and fiona <laughs> They really are. It was just, oh, the dynamic was so amazing. But we have our Leviathan. They even call it Leviathan by name. They talk about traveling outside the city walls, the Dune Sea. Like, it, the mythic elements were very yeah. there. And I, I, I do want to speak on, like, the dragon's design of it. Like, this, like, this dragon, like, it was so, like, cleverly designed that, like, it really it's like kind of a product of its environment. It's very like sandy looking. It is very like, it's, it doesn't breathe fire. It breathes, breathes like acidic puke. And it's very like, I, I, it's so cohesive with the environment of Tatooine. And like, we're going to get into it next episode, like, like um, chapter 10 also, but the creatures in that chapter are also very much a product of their environment. Yeah, it really looked like it belonged there, which obviously, like, this is showing you, like, how far ILM has come and everything, mm-hmm. but, like, it felt like if you were going to go to Tatooine, like, this is definitely a creature that fits in yeah. there. Especially considering it's it's a creature that was not part of the original trilogy. Because, like, they do, they, they mention the Sarlacc, and they mention that this Sarlacc was, like, ate by this dragon. Actually, so, <laughs> I did some reading about these dragons, um, especially the pearl at the end, because they, they defeat mm-hmm. this dragon, and the, the Tusken Raiders pull out a pearl, and I got really upset, because I thought it was, like, an egg, and I'm like, no, not again! <laughs> um, but actually... C-3PO does encounter the bones of a deceased juvenile greater um, Krat dragon in the original trilogy, apparently. In the original trilogy? What? Like, in... There's a picture. I'm I'm just on Wikipedia. It's just, it looks like a... It looks really funny. It kind of looks like a big worm. the Jedi? So it says... No, in Zero um, BBY. So in the very first Like, in the movie. In the movie. Not in, like text. Nope. Because there's a picture of it. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what part of the movie this is. Well, it would be the beginning when he's like in the desert. Wow. That's mm. that's. I'm deep sure they cut. didn't call it by name, though. No. Wow. That's yeah. really I, like. I know. That, it's a deep cut. <laughs> so this is a greater um, Krat dragon and it's a subspecies. And it uses its ten strong legs to swim through the shifting sands. <laughs> it's a su- is it a subspecies of just like other dragons? Yeah, of other so there's um, like crab all- dragons. So are the other dragons like on other planets and stuff, like di- in different environments? So they are carnivorous reptiles that hailed from Tatooine, um, hunted for their pearls found in their bodies. Mm. Yeah, there's a canyon one and a greater one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And it is interesting, though, because in Myths and Fables, there's a story about the dragon, and it actually has wings. 
So I don't know if that is like a mythic like thing that they put on it or if some of them do actually have wings. I have no idea. But this one has 10 legs and two horns. So that's kind of fun. And I did want to talk about this pearl that they pull out of it. The pearl is not an egg. It is actually a pearl. Apparently, these dragons ingest rocks to, like, help with their digestion. And it breaks it down and eventually, like, turns it into a pearl. And sometimes, if it was, like, a kyber crystal, then it would remain in the gut and, like, be refined. And so in Legends you could get a lightsaber from the um, Kyber Pearl. And it is still part of canon, but, like, there's more on it from Legends, so obviously they haven't done anything with it in new canon. But they said that a lightsaber equipped with one of these pearls emitted a very powerful and destructive blade that had a howling sound when ignited. That's so cool. That is really cool, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, like I want to see this. Maybe we'll see it in um, High Republic. I have a feeling that that's why it was in the canon section. I, I think it's got to be because it's related to High Republic. Oh, I, can't, I, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I, I want to know like what color it is. And this makes yeah. me wonder, Like, we don't know anything about like the construction of the dark saber and so i'm like ooh, maybe it's some like gonna be some weird kind of thing like this you know um but all this is a big roundabout way to say that i found out that these dragons are non-sentient so i guess it's okay that they murdered this dragon <laughs> anyway that's my tangent on this dragon i feel okay. better about it now <laughs> So let's talk about um, the Tuscan Raiders and the relationship with them and the villagers in this episode. Mm-hmm. I really love what um, Mandalorian has been doing with them. Um, mm-hmm. I love the sign language. I do too. I liked it better when it was just the sign language. Mm-hmm. They did bring the grunting back in this, which I thought was kind of a weird choice. But I still liked that the sign language played a heavy role in it. I really liked that this in this episode, it really was about like, you know, bringing the raiders and the villagers together, like, against this common thing. And they end up, you know, striking a peace treaty. And when they kill this dragon, they, like, separate the meat and they share it. Like, it felt very, kind of felt like, like, a biblical story a little bit to me. It, It was interesting that this was how they decided to open it with, like, how mythic it was. So what did you think of the big climax with how our Mandalorian defeated this dragon. It was so Hercules. It was very Hercules. It was so Hercules. Like, when he, like, entered the dragon, I knew. I was like, oh, they're gonna do this, like, Hercules. It's gonna be so hot. It was. He he bursts out of that dragon and blows it up. It was, The cinematography was yeah. pretty crazy. And Cobb was just, like, oh in awe. God. He was, he was, he was saying, taught me, taught me, taught me, taught me. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. I was almost expecting um, Baby Yoda to do something. My mom, actually, when we were watching it, she was like, baby, do something. Like, it, it was kind of funny. <laughs> I think they're gonna, it's gonna be like season one where we don't see Baby Yoda use the force for a while. I think so, too. I think they'll probably save it for a more force-focused episode. Yeah, he's, like, not refined enough yet. Like, I feel like he can't just, like, do something. Yeah, for sure. I, I will say, like, this episode, there was a surprising lack of Baby Yoda. Yeah. 
it, it, like, it was funny. Like, it, he was there, but, like, he wasn't overly there. And yeah. part of me is, like, happy because they didn't give in to the hype of Baby Yoda. But then I was also like, but I want to see the child. Show me the baby. Okay, but we get the next episode. <laughs> exactly. And that's why it's all okay. So this episode ends off with a big reveal similar to the first episode of the first season. And it is this mysterious figure standing over the ridge looking out over everything. And the assumption is that this is, in fact, Boba Fett. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not either. I mean, I was expecting it. So, so theories. He was in the Sarlacc for however many years... Sarlaccs digest very slowly, so he was alive. How soon after he got thrown in did the dragon eat the Sarlacc? That is the question, because we are told that this dragon den was a Sarlacc pit, and it ate the Sarlacc out of it. Like, I'd like to know, like, how he survived in the Sarlacc. Like, what was he eating? What was he drinking? Yeah, I do kind of want to know how he survived, or if he even, you know, like, did he, like, cut himself out of the Sarlacc and, like, the, then the dragon just found it? Like, there are some questions there. Yeah, because he's, like, obviously separated from his armor. Yeah. I I think he probably sold his armor. To get something else. Yeah. So, like, here's my thing. Like, my big worry with Boba Fett coming back was that he was going to be like, the badass Boba Fett that, like, the original trilogies wanted him to be. You know, like, the bounty hunter, whatever. And we've seen that, because they do that in Clone Wars. And what I think we're going to get is more of, like, an old, you know, wizened, jaded Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Like, the the Empire is gone. Everything's gone. Like, we see him without his armor. He's still on this planet. Like... I want to know what he's thinking. I'm kind of thinking that he's going to be more of like a old man Luke in The Last Jedi than he is like this badass bounty hunter or a villain. I don't think he's a villain. I'm like wondering if they're going to do something like Maul, like, you know, like the second coming of Maul where he's 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 really changed. Mm hmm. More manipulative. Like, I mean, is Boba Fett really a villain, though? Like, I I haven't seen enough of the Clone Wars, and I especially haven't seen his episodes. Everything I know about him is in relation to Ventress. And, like, obviously he's a bounty hunter and he, you know, works for Darth Vader and, like, all that kind of stuff. And I I haven't read the comics. I know, like, there's stuff going on with that. But I just wonder, like, what does he want now? Like, what's gonna be his purpose? Like, what is he doing? And we know, like, or at least we're pretty sure he's the one who rescues um Finnick in episode five right yeah probably at this point it would be him so where's Fennec Fennec probably want Fennec probably wants revenge but what does Boba Fett want yeah and see and I'm glad that instead of just making me angry that Boba Fett's in it instead I have these questions for like okay so why is he here because I don't think Dave Filoni would just, like, throw in a character like Never. this. He always do- he, he always has a purpose and a reason. You know, like, Maul comes back all the time, but it's always for a purpose and a reason. Yeah, I've never been annoyed with Maul coming back. Mm-mm. Never. Yeah. 
And we've talked about this to each other, you know, we'll trust Dave Filoni until he proves us otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So overall, what did you think of that first episode? It was a long one. It was like yeah, over 50 it was, minutes. It was very long. Um, a lot of Cobb Vanth, which is awesome, getting a new character that the whole fandom kind of just gets behind. Like, that, mm-hmm. it was great. Like, the I, fan I cams. love seeing, I, I love seeing the fan cams. I love seeing, like, everyone enthusiastic about Star Wars. Like, that, mm-hmm. it, it really invigorated a lot of people. It yeah, was nice. I was, I was glad for that. I, I was glad that, like, the biggest thing to come out of this was Cobb Vanth, and Cobb Vanth somehow made the Boba Fett helmet sexy to me. So that was, you know, A plus, A plus John Favreau. Good job. Good job. <laughs> so moving into our next episode, now we have chapter 10, The Passenger. And I wanted to start off by saying that this episode is directed by Peyton Reed. Now, what else has Peyton Reed directed? Bring Alex? it on. <laughs> bring it on. And Ant-Man. Um, but bring and it on. He, and some episodes of New Girl. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I really like the surprise of who the director is at the end of the episode. Yeah. Because for one, this the experience of watching this episode, we won't get into details yet, but I was just like, this episode is really weird. It is bizarre. I cannot wait to see this director like like I, I need to see I, I like I mm-hmm. who is it like it has to be someone weird like it's not and I was like it's not Taika because it's not his humor like it's not the same humor that we saw in that last episode it wasn't like funny jokes weird it was like visuals weird visual bizarre like I, yeah there was so much in this I won't get into it yet but I was like what like who is this? And then Peyton Reed. And like, I just, like, I, I mean, I, I knew that that was the Ant-Man director off the bat, like without even looking it up. And I was like, oh my God, it makes so much sense now. Yeah. See, like I had to look it up, but you were like, you once you know, like it makes so much sense because there's like a freaking giant ant in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say too, like, with the first season, like, we had that list of directors. Like, we knew who directed what yeah. and everything. And, like, with this one, it's been a surprise. So, like, it, we didn't yeah. know that, like, the first one was John Favreau. We didn't know that this one was Peyton Reed. We don't know who's directing the next one. Like, it, it was kind of interesting to think about, you know? I love the surprise. I love it. I, I, I really do. So, I think the thesis for this episode are eggs. Eggs and insects. And bugs. Eggs and bugs and uh, just... This is weird Star Wars, like, at its peak. I love weird Star Wars. I was like, this is is so weird and so good. Yes. So, like, we finish with the dragon. This starts up immediately. Starts up immediately. Um, He's going back to Mos Eisley to talk to Pele again, figure out where he's going to go next. I will say, like, this starts off with him being ambushed, and they threaten to kill Baby Yoda. No, I couldn't take it. When he, when Baby Yoda gets thrown off this bike, it is just, like, I was so upset. (laughs) But I will, I will say, like, this set the tone. Baby Yoda is so vocal in this episode. He is. He is very vocal. so much. I wonder if they're getting him ready to say his first words. 
What do you think his first word's going to be? <laughs> Probably like Dada or something. Oh, that would be so cute. Him? Okay. So like not only is he so vocal, but like the puppet work was amazing. So we get good. to see him running. It was very cute. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, she's moving more like deeds. My oh, heart. Yes. It just it, it really made up for the lack of him in the first episode. Mm. I, I Baby Yoda was a star in this. And I just he the way he runs to Din when he's scared, like he crawls into his lap several times, like he's holding hands with him. Like I felt like it was really clear in this that like they are a clan of two, like they are father and son now like their relationship has really evolved and they're very close and I I liked seeing that at the beginning of this episode so we go from here back to Moss Eisley we see Pele again we see the giant (laughs) ant um and we find out that there has been a sighting of some Mandalorians and you know it's fine we'll give you the information all you have to do is transport a passenger and this passenger is the new favorite character of the week and that is the frog lady (laughs) frog lady does she have a name i don't think she does frog lady it is this pink purple ish frog who's just trying to transport her eggs to her husband so she can get them fertilized but she's very humanoid at first like she walks on her like two legs and you're like she does cool 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 and then you get a big surprise later yeah, you get a big surprise later that she's actually a frog and actually hops. I was <laughs> screaming. The second I saw her start hopping, I was like, what? <laughs> I really loved, like, this is just a really weird alien. You know, like, it, it's a literal frog person. And, like, the subtitles are like, frog frog lady speaking frog. You know, like. Yeah. It, I it was just so bizarre. I can't wait to see in, like, future Star Wars, like, probably in, like, the next animated series, like, them just kind of throw in this species in the background. I want like, it. maybe in the Bad Batch. I can't wait to meet her husband. I want to see what he looks like. Do like, you think he's also pink? I think he's going to be blue just because, Aww. yeah, I, I just have a feeling he's going to be blue. Or green, you know, the typical oh, yeah. frog. Green. I think maybe he might be, like, brown. Yeah, like a toad. Yeah. (laughs) It was just so, so funny. And, like, I loved this. Like, she is transporting her eggs because she needs, she's got to get those eggs fertilized. And, like, honey, we we know that struggle. Um, And so they can't travel at hyperspeed because it'll it'll kill the eggs. So that is kind of, like, the big catch here is that they have to travel very slowly to this next system over. And... So here's the thing about the eggs, and, like, this has bothered a lot of people, and I don't know why the dragon bothered me more than the egg thing, but Baby Yoda wants to eat these eggs. Mm-hmm. Because I think Mandalorian's not uh, feed him, feeding him correctly. No. I messaged you, because, like, there's this scene where, like, Baby Yoda is, like, just staring at this tank, and I was like, please don't tell me he's gonna eat the eggs. <laughs> and then he does. And listen, like, I know why a lot of people don't think this is funny, but I I feel like the, I mean, I, I don't really know what the point was about him trying to eat these eggs, but at least they weren't, like, actual babies yet. They weren't fertilized. They're unfertilized. I don't know how to make it better. <laughs> um, yeah. 
I was going to say maybe there is a point to it where eventually Mando's going to be, like, trying to figure out, like, what what the hell this species eats. I mean, it's kind of weird because, like, he really wants to eat these eggs. Like, to the point where, like, that's what he's always trying to do, like, in the background. Like, yeah. And I feel like he has a grasp on, like, what they are. But, like, this is, like, a carnivorous species and like that's what he wants and like even later he finds more eggs and like cracks them open and tries to eat them like yeah it but felt he, and he eats a frog in season one it, like it felt like a monster movie to me do you think the yodas are from like a watery planet that has a lot of amphibians on it i mean that would kind of make sense for, like, why Yoda, you know, he's on Dagobah, which is, like, a swamp. Yeah. So that would kind of make sense. We don't ever know exactly what Yoda eats. Like... Well, clearly he's a carnivore. Yeah. That's just so... It's so interesting, and I'm I'm interested to see where it's going. I I did kind of think it was, it was funny, but, like, I get also why it's not funny. Um... But we do know that Frog Lady and her eggs are going to be in the next episode as well. So maybe we'll see a little bit of a reckoning of that. But our little trip here gets derailed when two New Republic officers stop them. Um, this had a lot of tie-ins to episode six, which I really appreciated. I, d- I wasn't sure if, like, it was hitting too hard, like, if you weren't super familiar with the episodes. With like yeah, Dave. well, and, like, the things that they say, like, they're referring to the prisoner that he helped break out and, yeah. like, you know, the name of the officer that he protected I mean, I don't think that. that's, that's taking you out. I think that's just, like, reminding the audience that, like, they, like, the New Republic is aware of those things he did. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. I, I, I liked the connectiveness of it. Um, and the, the New Republic guys are kind of, kind of assholes. Yeah, they are. It, it was just interesting because the New Republic is so new, mm-hmm. and it it almost felt like they f- felt a little bit, a little entitled. too important. Yeah, yeah, a little too entitled. Which I mean, I guess you have to be when you're such a new, you know, fledgling Republic. But it it was just a little bit strange, and I do think it kind of fits into you know we see, we saw in the first season with them saying like the New Republic's a joke and all that, and when they pull up. Din Jaren says, may the force be with you. And you can totally tell he's rolling his eyes. Like, I, I really do want to know like what, what all these people think of the New Republic government, like, as it's forming. So we're six years after the, after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So we are also after the Battle of Jakku, obviously. Five years. Yeah. So it's just. It's just a really interesting time period. And, like, we haven't really seen anything going on, like, with the government or anything. Um, and I just wonder if we're well, ever going to get... Them. Oh, I know. But, like, I, I wonder if we're going to ever get, like, closer to it. Or yeah. if that's always going to be more of, like, a background thing. I think if we're ever going to get information on the government, it's going to be through other characters, like, mentioning things. Potentially, like... He's going to find other Mandalorians in the next episode, possibly. Like, will they say something about the New Republic? Do you think that Boba Fett could still be working for the Empire? Mm -hmm. Like, for Sloane? 
Yeah, because we know that the Empire is not gone. Yeah, Sloan's still around. Mm -hmm. Um, He would have had to get in contact with them after the Sarlacc thing. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm still wondering, like, what, how that's going to tie in and, like, how that's going to come back up. And it's just interesting that we got that and we did learn, like, we see a lot of people, you know, like, the celebrations after the Death Star and everything with the first episode. And now we have the New Republic guys. And, like, this run-in almost reminded me of, like, run-ins that we see with the Empire. And I don't know if it's just because we were on the opposite side of it now. Like, you know, now the New Republic is the authority. They're not the little rebels anymore. It was just an interesting thing to see. After this, this causes them to crash their ship. They crash land on an ice planet. And I really enjoyed that this planet was immediately so different from Tatooine. Because I'll be honest, in the first season, those planets kind of ran together. (laughs) Yeah. It was, um, it was very icy. It was very cold. Like, even more deserted than Tatooine. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we'll get into the creatures, but the creatures, like, fit into the whole environment here, too. Yeah, it was really interesting, because, like, they crashed here, and it was a pretty bad crash. Like, Mandalorian is already, like, you know, our deal's off. I'm not going to be able to get you anywhere. Like, we're going to be lucky if we get out of here alive ourselves. And Frog Lady's very unhappy, because she's like, look, these are the last eggs I'm ever going to lay. Like, I have to get to my husband. Like, I, you know, we have to carve out a life. Like, I I really like this narrative that was kind of being built up around her. And I also like, too, that, like, she calls him out. She's like, I thought Mandalorians were supposed to help people. And it was interesting because all of, like, the stories we heard in the first episode were about how Mandalorians are good at killing. But for her, it was almost like they were, you know, like, knights. Like, they're supposed to help people who need it. This, of course, causes her to run off while he's fixing the ship and... Take a bath. Yeah, so we find her in, like, a hot spring in a cave. And I just... I knew that when we panned around the corner, we were going to see her in this why did this? Why did this scene feel like Wonder Woman? Because <laughs> it's in a cave. I didn't even think about that. And she's naked in this cave. She's naked in this bath. It, it's weird and like okay so like I did a drawing of frog lady and it like blew up on Twitter I can't tell you how many people commented on this drawing saying that they ship Mando and frog lady <laughs> she is like, a married woman yeah weird <laughs> I yeah I didn't get any sexual tension I no. mean she was she was naked in this bath but like I I, I wasn't I didn't get any like tension like I did with Cobb so <laughs> I just, this scene, well, here's the thing, though. I say I didn't sense any sexual tension, but what this scene reminded me of was um, the shape of water. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because, no, but she feeds the fish man eggs in his, like, big pool. (laughs) And she had all her eggs laying out in there, and I was, it just, it made me think of that. But it didn't stay Shape of Water for very long because then it turns very alien. Uh, Baby Yoda wanders away and there's all these mysterious rocks on the ground and he's sniffing. You can literally hear him sniffing the air. (laughs) And he cracks open this egg and pulls out this gross thing and eats it. I was like, what's happening? It's a baby spider. It's a baby spider. All these eggs hatch and there are spiders 
everywhere yeah, in the chase. Alien. It was so alien. I hated these spiders. They were I the spiders worried. from Rebels, which was cool. I was worried about you. <laughs> um, because I like I know how much you don't like spiders, and like I got to that part, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I messaged you and I'm like, there are more eggs. And you were like, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, why is it going to be okay? Yeah, like you were, it was right before the reveal of the spiders. I'm like, you're going to be okay, Shannon. Ugh, they were very gross. The thing was, though, like, I guess since we'd seen them in Rebels, like, like the big one didn't bother me. It was like the okay. little ones with their scuttly legs. Like, that's what I don't like about spiders. They're, it's oh, just yeah. Gross. Did you like one? One of them was like on Baby Yoda's head. No! <laughs> but like, he. Again, Baby Yoda was so vocal, and he was, like, crying and yelling, and it just, like, (laughs) this chase was so crazy. Like, they chase them all the way back to the ship. Like, the ship gets covered in webs. Frog ladies hopping to the ship. Like, so many things were constantly happening in this scene. (laughs) I just, it was a lot. And I I wonder. It was very stressful. I wonder about the choice. Like, why, why was this choice made? And I also kind of, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, the Mudhorn. Because, you know, he went into the den to steal the egg. And all these spiders come out and hatch after, like, they've been attacked, basically, because one of their eggs was broken. So, like, is that why they were chasing them? Is that why they were trying to get them? Yeah. Like, but I mean, in this circumstance, Mando didn't do anything wrong. No, baby. Like Yoda in the did. mud horn, he was going for the egg. Yeah. In this circumstance, he was like, oh no, where did Frog Lady go? And then <sighs> while he was assisting Frog Lady, he didn't notice that his son wandered off. It was very um Aladdin in the Cave of Wonders when Abu touches oh one my of the gosh, gems. It is. Yeah. It, it's yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> And I just, I wonder if there's going to be consequences from this or if it was just, like, a fun one-off. I have no idea. But, like, well, I mean, even though the, the ship is in bad shape. Oh, yeah. They're limping to this next planet. Like, they're barely making it here. And we have seen pictures, like, we're going to see him deliver Frog Lady to, like, the next person. So, like, it seems like these episodes so far have all kind of been, like, a relay. Like, they're all kind of handing off into the next yeah. episode. So I, I'm wondering if we're going to see any kind of consequences or repercussions of, you know, baby Yoda's behavior or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Well, like, we saw this on this ice planet. We saw these spiders and, like, they really um, fit in their environment in a way. Like, they shoot webs, but those webs, when they're they're shot, they, like, they look like ice. Mm Mm-hmm. The the pattern that they make. The the detail was so, so on point with this episode. So I'm wondering, like, we saw in that teaser there's a shot of frog lady with her husband and they're on like a ship on an probably i i would think an ocean some sort of ocean planet so i'm wondering if we're gonna get some weird sea creature we're gonna get a tentacle monster in the next episode (laughs) i mean it it's not quite a recurring theme yet because we're only in two episodes in but so far we have dealt with some kind of local fauna on each of our planets and you know this whole season is about returning baby yoda to his people and his home so i'm wondering if that has any kind of tie-in or if it's just fun monsters it could just be fun monsters which you know hey that's fine um i liked this episode i think 
<laughs> the eggs and the spiders were just, you know, it was interesting. Like, we've never seen Mando or, like, Star Wars be quite this, like, on point with, like, the horror, like, sci-fi monster reference, I feel like. And I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So this episode leaves off before we see him, like, limping over and finishing his journey. The New Republic guys do come back and they decide not to arrest him. They defeat all the spiders, but they just leave him there. And in my mind, they're leaving him there to die. They yeah. know he's, you know, in trouble and that there's no help around. But they, well, they don't stay to help him. Yeah, they feel like they don't always want him. It's just interesting. Like, I, I kind of feel like, you know, the the original trilogy Rebels that, like, we've seen, like, would have helped him. But these guys yeah. totally don't. It, it just, like, again, like, it could be nothing, but, like, I wonder if it's, like, a little seed planted in to be like, hey, you know, like, the New Republic is, like, maybe not super amazing cool thing that we all thought was going to take over you know so where do you think we're going to go next like we we know the teaser we know we're going to that that ocean world but like what do you think is in store i really want to see the night owls i do too i'm i want to get into force stuff i want to see some force stuff so bad i want to see the night owls well the thing is if if we do run into the night owls like Bo has experience with meeting people with the force it is very interesting like bo katan would know a lot about ahsoka and she'd know a lot about the jedi that i don't think other mandalorians that he encounters are gonna really know but like what are like like if it's not bo katan that the next like the next mandalorian he's gonna find if it's not bo katan who do you think it is I don't know. Like, probably part of Death Watch. I, I feel like that's kind of yeah. where we're... Like, an unknown? Like, you're saying, like, oh, it's just someone who is part of Death Watch. It could be. I I wonder if we're going to learn about, like, you know, the, the like, subsets of Death Watch. Because, you know, like, the Night Owls came from that. Like, I... I saw that Boba Fett was at one point part of Death Watch. We know Bo-Katan was part mm-hmm. of Death Watch at some point. Um, Din was taken in by Death Watch. Like, I, I wonder if we're going to learn that, like, maybe the Mandalorians, like, maybe there's some kind of, like, something happening with them. Like, maybe they're going to try to, like, take back a planet or something. I don't know. Like, I... I, I wonder part- why, like, why is Din not just going to Mandalore? Like, what's yeah. going on over there? Yeah, what's what happened to Mandalore. Like, it was heavily occupied by the Empire, yeah. but, like... Because, like, I would think, like, you're looking for Mandalorians. You go straight to the source. Mm-hmm. But what happened? Well, because we still don't know why all the Mandalorians are in hiding, either. So I wonder if we're going to start getting some answers if we ever meet up with more Mandalorians. And that is kind of the question. So, like, it could be that, like, the series-long arc is getting baby back to like some jedi but maybe this season arc is finding more mandalorians yeah which could be possible i have no idea because i don't know you know if they've planned out some like huge long arc or i have i have no idea so it's just kind of kind of speculation at this point but I think that's going to do it for those two episodes, this episode of Makeup and Mandalore. Is there anything else that you would like to add about 
what we've talked about here. I don't think so. I'm really looking forward to the next two episodes. <laughs> yes. The first episode brought us corn on the cob, Vanth, and then we got eggs, which if any of you listened to our um, Tross speculation, you'll know that we love the eggs in Star Wars. <laughs> so who knows what our next episode is going to bring us. Once again, um, if you want to donate to the Homeless Black Trans Women's Fund or the Trans Rights Are Human Rights, this is the way fund. Um, I will leave links to the GoFundMes in the description of this podcast episode. If you want to share your story with us, you will also find instructions for how to do that um, in the description as well. You can also keep the conversation going. Um, we are always on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. But that is going to do it for this. So we will see you for the next two episodes of The Mandalorian. Bye. Bye.